As blockchain development continues forward, there's a greater need for tools that make it simple for developers to roll out dApps. Some chains are more favorable than others to accomplishing this goal, and the creators of Polkadot intend to lead the way. One team taking advantage of Polkadot's capabilities is Gear Technologies. They've created a system that helps developers deploy dApps faster than you can say Numana Ultra Microscopic Silico Volcano Coniosis. We've got Pavel Salas of Gear Technologies with us today to discover the benefits of Polkadot, and you may just discover what that super long word means on episode number 628 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast featuring the longest word in the English dictionary. If you don't learn something about Polkadot and Layer Zero today, at least you can walk away with this piece of trivial knowledge. I'm Joel Kahn, and that is Sir Lord Travis Wright, Reverend of Awesomeness and Apostle of Humility. That's true, Doctor of Space and Time. I think that's one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, so one of the words, so what was the long word you used? Uh, it is not just a long word. It is the longest word in the English language. It is, according to the Oxford 13-volume dictionary, it is Pneumata Ultramicroscopic Silicol Volcano Coniosis. And you, you remember that how long ago? Uh, years ago. And I taught it to my daughter, Jenna, when she was in second grade. She went to her school, told her told her teacher, do you know the longest word in the... <laughs> you, do you want to hazard a guess at what it means? Uh, well, it's, it's, it's some it's something medical. It sounds like. Yeah. Say it again. Numano ultra microscopic. Here, okay. let's just we'll just pick it apart. Numano. Numano. So that's got to deal with breathing. Right. Ultra microscopic. It's like m smaller than your penis. <laughs> same size. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Silico volcano. So silica is like it's like something what's revolving around silica. I would remove. I don't know about volcano. It was something that spews out of some silica that spews out of some. So coniosis. I don't know what coniosis okay. is. Okay. So uh, it, you are correct. It is a medical term. It is a breathing. Uh, it is related to your breathing. The short version is pneumonoconiosis. Um, and what it is, is, is inhaling ash particles and what's oh, more commonly yeah. known oh, nice. coal okay. miners, coal miners disease. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. So there you go. You guys learned something today. There you go. And then you know what the largest animal is? The longest uh, word for an animal? The longest word for an animal or the largest animal? Well, it's different, but the longest yeah. word for an animal. No, what is it? I think it's the huma huma nuka nuka apawa. Oh, wapa wapawa. Oh, the fish. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, um, it's like you get it at you get it at Burger King. It's the <laughs> bubble wapa wapa. The the huma huma. Now I have to know what is it. The huma huma nuka nuka apawa. It's a huma it's huma a nuka nuka awapawa. Apawa. Uh, yes, here it is. Huma 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 nuku nuku guapawa. It's huma huma nuka nuka apawa. Yeah, that's yeah. where you, the home of the humu humu nuku nuku wapa wapa. 
<laughs> Welcome to the show, gang. Um, the entertaining part is over. We're about to get real serious here. Uh, we, we've been wanting to talk to somebody about polka dot for a long time, and and uh, you met this dude on a Twitter Spaces, right? Yeah, I met this dude on Twitter Space, and I was like, "Yo, you spewing some knowledge over there? I think our audience might like to hear some of your spewings." Ah, all right, the spewings and the doings of uh, one Pavel Salas. Here we go. One of the platforms which we have referenced many times in the life of this show, but not really gone down the rabbit hole, is Polkadot. And those who are dot heads, I'm not sure if that's a thing or if I just made it up or not, um, are really, really excited about Polkadot for a number of reasons. And apparently, it's really easy, if you have the right tools, to roll out your own dApps on the polka dot chain we're going to find out about all the polka dotty things right now right here you're in the right place in the right time for the understanding to begin as we have the ceo not the chief executive officer the chief ecosystem officer at gear technologies his name is pavel salas and he dared to enter into the republic of bad cryptopia not knowing what's in store for him pavel welcome to the show thanks a lot it's a pleasure to be here. Let's see how it goes out. He's just got a little deer in the headlights, you know, look there like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Uh, it, it won't be that painful. I promise you might actually have some fun and walk away thinking, you know what? That was the best interview of my life. I may as well hang it up right here because it doesn't get any better than that. Okay, let's do that. And he's like, okay, yeah, show me that. All right. You know, let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's start. see if that will work. Let's start by understanding, explain to us what makes the, the polka dot chain unique and uh, superior in your mind to many of the other options that people have out there. Okay, to be honest, there is not really much options on what polka dot is doing because the idea of polka dot is actually to be. If we, if we'll see different blockchains and we put like in layers, as traditionally said, we have the layer one or the main blockchain, uh, like Ethereum, Bitcoin, uh, Binance, Smart Chain, whatever you want. Uh, then you have the layer two is something that actually speeds up the first layer. And then we have uh, what actually Polkadot and Cosmos, uh, the two uh, companies that actually want to do, is to build a layer zero, meaning they want to interconnect different layer ones. So let's think that a blockchain is an ecosystem in, in, in its own. Like in uh, previous times, we can see an Ethernet, yes? Like a closed net where people just can talk to each other. Then what actually Polkadot is willing to do is integrate these different Ethernets into one big net, like the internet that we are having now. So a person from one blockchain can communicate directly with a person that's sitting on another blockchain and have an uh, option of interacting with them. This is the idea of the Polkadot. So actually, it's like a layer, layer zero to connect different blockchains together. And this is why actually we as a smart contract agent, like a company that wants what wants to do is to make uh, the building of different apps faster, easier, and with a different type of uh, messaging protocol, actually we choose Polkadot 
to work on. Okay, so your your Ethereum, um, your Binance Smart Chain, these are considered the uh, the layer one chains. Uh, so, what uh, examples of some layer two is that like Avalanche, Algorand? Algorand would be actually uh, Polygon in some way would be when actually it works on top of Ethereum to speed it up. Yes, that would kind be like a mu two. immutable X or whatever, how it's built on top of Ethereum. Yes, exactly. And Everything that is built on built top of Ethereum. Under Ethereum. Exactly. So it's, so it's almost like, I look at it like this, Joel. It seems to me, you know, we're always talking about we want to build on the highways that all these other dApps are built on. But when you're talking about when you're talking about Polkadot, it's actually the city or the land that the highways are built on. And so the, it's going to be the thing that kind of connects all those highways together is what it kind of seemed like to me. And when we're talking about gear, you guys are a, a smart contract platform that basically enables people to deploy dApps on Polkadot. Or only Polkadot or other chains as well? Okay. The idea is that actually we will have... Uh, there is Polkadot and there is Kusama. There's two different networks that actually are inside one big ecosystem. So we will be able to launch as a parachain chain or, some, or a, a project that can interact either with Kusama or Polkadot on both okay. of them. And Kusama plus or Polkadot. Also... And you mentioned parachain. That's one yes. word that a lot of people might not know about is that's what that's what makes Polkadot so unique is they're building these parachains, which allow these blockchains to connect and speak to one another. Correct. Exactly. Let's like try to talk a little bit about what parachain is. When we're talking about connections of different blockchains together, uh, then there is actually two ways how that could be done. The first way is for bridges, like uh, a lot of people are doing now between different uh, blockchains. And that actually is also Polkadot is doing for blockchains like Ethereum, for example. But there is also another thing that when uh, Parity, the technological company that actually is standing behind um, Polkadot and Kusama, they were building their first networks. They understood that there is something that is called, uh, that is similar if you want to build any blockchain. So what they did is put it like into the box so you can go and build the, or deploy your own blockchain out of the box in three different, like on different stages and steps. You don't need to program it from zero or from scratch. So uh, in this type of blockchain built on the substrate, this technology is called substrate. Uh, the ones that are built on substrate, they already have something that's called the Cumulus library. This is something that allows you to, to easily connect to the blockchain of Polkadot and to the blockchain of Kusama without like building this bridge. This library allows to interchange messages, the XML messages that's called inside this ecosystem. And this is actually like making your life easier. You don't need to build any bridge and no, no bridge. faster and cheaper. It's like yes. walking on water. Right, there's no you don't need a bridge. You just it's it's kind of miraculous. It's it, it's like a, a connection of let's say if you have a world there, you put a bridge outside, you just have a, a fast tunnel downside. Yeah. So well, well it seems like is, there's something like that. These days we're hearing about a lot of hacks happening through some of these bridges. 
that there's sec- more security issues are surfacing. Does Polkadot solve that problem? Yes, this is one of the biggest things that actually differentiates Cosmos and Polkadot, that Polkadot has uh, what's called common security. So the security of the whole network is actually managed by the Polkadot and by leaders of the Polkadot of the Summer network. Uh, either that in Cosmos is like each person, each project actually has its own security. And then that means that the whole network is actually lowering down till the security of the lowest project. And this is why they're also trying to change it to full security like it's done out now in Polkadot. So the bridge technology, as, as we're talking about substrate and parachain communication through libraries, this security is actually ensured by the whole system, the libraries, the messages, and the whole Polkadot system. So the, it's, you cannot track it in this way. But when we're talking about bridges, yes, it's a big problem. Because uh, when somebody is building a bridge, there is actually three points of failure. The first one is one network which connects it. The second is the main bridge network that's done there. And the third one is the second network which will be connected. So if somebody of them makes an, even if it's outdated and everything is okay, but if some of the networks makes an upgrade and the guys from the bridge didn't like fix it out, didn't check it, or they found everything would be okay, but there is a gap that's opening there, then the problem begins. So that means that the bridge should be all constantly monitoring and changing, making changes and checking this information. And some, and when you have a lot of networks to be connected, then it's like a huge amount of information. Somebody can miss that. Hmm. The uh, the website for Polkadot is polkadot.network. Go ahead, Trev. Yeah, I mean, is looking at this thing, whenever I found you in the Twitter space, uh, Pavel, you were talking about what's going on with gear, what's going on with Polkadot. And Polkadot, to me, I've had a lot of conversations with folks around the crypto market we're in right now, right? So it seems like we're in crypto winter big time. And people, you know, they are comparing it to like the, the bubble of the stock market with technology stocks back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And it seems to me, if I'm looking at that, I'm like, which of those, which of these projects are going to be around 5, 10, 20 years from now? It seems to me, not financial advice, that... Polkadot is going to be one of those projects that's going to be around because it's a layer zero. It's connecting all of these blockchains through these parachains. And it was created by Gavin Wood, right? And so I'm looking at all of that. What are some of the reasons that you really like uh, uh, a Polkadot? Okay. There are several points there. Like the first of all, obviously, is the shared security that Polkadot gives to the whole network. Second, obviously, the substrate thing that allows you to build the blockchain is in fast, uh, but you can also use it for any other network buckets there. And the third point is actually that our CEO and founder, Nikolai Wolf, was one of the first developers of Quarity and actually was the person that was building substrate by itself. So when he finalized his project there, he thought that he can bring something new. And actually, he was one of the first advocates to bring Quasm there to build smart contacts on Rust. And then he thought that he wants to keep on innovating this space and was thinking quite long about how that could be done. And he wants to add something, some additional value to the previous project where he worked with with Parity and Polkadot. And as a layer zero, they don't have smart contracts by design. So he decided to build a new smart contract agent that could be faster 
than actually any other on the proof of stake. So here's something I don't understand, though, about Polkadot. I'm reading this article on CoinMarketCap called A Deep Dive into Polkadot. You can find links uh, in the show notes for this episode. Um, so if you guys want to follow along, this is an inflationary coin. So there's no maximum number of dot. Why is that? And how can how can people invest in the token that operates this chain when there's no cap of how many there can be? Okay, actually, uh, there is different ways of how it's done, but yes, uh, they have this uh, inflationary moment so that actually all the revenues that's coming from this inflation is going to the validators and the stakers. And uh, they have a certain formula there that actually works obviously the fees and stuff like that and the inflation then changes depending on that. And but what they're aiming is to have like 70% of all the tokens got staked. So actually 30% will be maximum the supply that will be open to the public. We okay. by the way, we are like looking looking for a different model of tokenomics on us uh, as gear. Uh, but we are still like finalizing it. It will be quite different and we will be lowering inflation, all the stuff, but uh, it's still not public, so I cannot actually talk about that yet. Okay, so what you guys are doing uh, at Gear Technology is website gear-tech.io. It's a smart engine, a smart contract engine for Polkadot, uh, designed to enable developers to deploy their own DApps in under five minutes. What what level of technology of understanding does somebody need to have to use the tool? Okay, uh, the person should be a developer. Like he has to know at least basic level of C or C sharp or something like that, so he can understand the logic. Uh, he needs to know the logic of the product that he wants to build, obviously. And but then our smart contracts are actually built on Rust for now as a most secure language and faster for deploying on Wasm. But uh, as we put a lot of different libraries there, so practically the person can easily take any of our examples, make some changes and deploy this program. We have videos where people are deploying, uh, let's say DAO with the front end also based on our example in nine minutes. We have people that deployed an NFT marketplace in 13 minutes. So it's like, we're trying to make life of the developer much easier so they can do it fast and easy. In our wiki and our developers page also, have a lot of control examples now already, and we keep on adding them constantly so that the person or developer later on can just take it like Lego blocks and build their own application based on that. Mm. So that, that's interesting to me to be able to take a look at that, be able to deploy those things so quickly. Do you have developers that people are able to, to utilize or to, to, to say, hey, you need to borrow, you need to want to set up one of these, but you don't have developers. Do you have developers available to help deploy some of those things? Or is it just if you're a developer and you want to launch on this, you come and use these tools? It's actually, for more, it's about like, if you're a developer, you can come and launch these tools. We are also now preparing an academy where people can learn actually how better to build using these examples, understand them better and stuff like that. It will be free. We are piloting now it with the University of Istanbul and the University of Bogasi 
with the students from there, like computer science, uh, just because we like run several workshops with them. And after that, it will be a public beta where people can, anybody from the community can join there and go to that. But we also do like a lot of talking about workshops. We do a lot of workshops in different universities all over the world. Uh, we go to the students, we explain them the difference of different blockchains or the technology behind that. And then we give them the option to do something like the centralized Twitter that they do it in like doing this workshop takes like an hour and a half, two hours between theory and practice. And they get some understanding of how it is and to work in the blockchain space. And after that, this is like the academy was burned as like a second step because students were asking, okay, what else we can do? Where we can learn more about that. So we built like this course. And this uh, this is designed to work not just on Polkadot, but also Kusama. So this is a different chain? It's uh, The Kusama is actually a test net for Polkadot. It has a little difference on governance, on, uh, on timing and stuff like that. Uh, it has its own so token. it's faster. It has its own stuff, but it's like, but it's it works with polka dot somehow, but it's kind of separate somehow too. It's 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 oh, it's a unique thing, isn't it? Yes, it, it was built like a test net in the beginning, so people can test their programs, theories, but with economic value. And then uh, obviously all the things that first uh, wants to go into polka dot goes first into Sama, and then goes into polka dot. So polka dot is like a more conservative and secure network. And Kusama uh, is more like a network, uh, faster network with more validation, with like say, or with uh, hypothesis that it's tested there and stuff like that. So more programs and more uh, applications actually are built first with Kusama than they go to Polkadot. Hmm. You know, it's it's interesting to me that we're at that phase right now where you're developing tools that make it easier for developers. Think though, you know, I, I remember coding a web page by hand with HTML, right? And I could I still remember the basics of of doing that. And then you know we got like uh, Microsoft front page, and now everything is simple, drag and drop, and there's themes. So is that are you guys looking forward and going? Hey, after this, how how do we make it so you don't even need to be developer level to create these dApps? We've got a simple modular drag and drop system and boom, away you go. To be honest, like we don't know yet. Like it's the first step because the beauty that we are bringing to the world is not just the easiness like uh, with examples and stuff like that. It's actually the whole concept of what we're bringing into the blockchain space. Because before, uh, actually, we're bringing three things of innovation. But one is the Acker model that actually is used a lot in the in the Web2 for parallel computing, high load systems parallel computing, that actually is practically not used in the blockchain space, just definitely tries to use it a little bit. Then we're bringing persistent memory that allows us to allocate and deallocate memory to a specific program. And then obviously wasn't that we're passing the virtual machine, but now all the blockchain of third generation actually use that. So it's not a big novelty, but the combination of three things allows us to do that. All the programs uh, and the message communication between the programs are asynchronous. We can do parallel computing. And this is actually allocation, the location of memory. And this is based on the proven consensus of proof of stake. So actually, we will be the fastest possible uh, network 
with the concerns of proof of stake. Put it like the speed of Solana with the with the security of New. That's fascinating. So basically, people are going to be able to use Gear to deploy on top of Polkadot, which in theory is going to have all these parachains to connect with all these other blockchains, which is going to enable developers to do DeFi, DAOs, NFTs, staking stuff, wallets, other Web3 things. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating what you're building over there, Pavel. Yeah, but our idea even is going even forward. So, for example, we think for gaming, that could be a good option because when you talk about parallel transactions, that means increasing speed and lowering the costs. So that could be really good for, for online gaming things. Uh, also, maybe for the metaverse stuff and things like that, depending. Wherever you need to have a lot of computation, that's really good option. And obviously, as a second step, what we did is you can code on Rust. We're trying to aim to new developers that are actually working in the Web2 space. Because let's say, for the statistics, we have 18,000 developers that are actually working on the crypto space each month. We can see commits on the GitHub. And we have 2.2 million of Rust developers in the whole world. And then we can see like 20 million of developers that works with languages that are compatible to Vasa. So what we're trying also to do is open the door to these new developers that are actually sitting there, that are working for big corporations, and they're like thinking, do I want really to switch the blockchain or not? Do I have to learn specific things and domain-specific features like on Solana or Near, or I just can use the same code idea and logic and put it there? So we're nice. trying to aim to that. Web 3FI on the world, uh, Joel. I think you're on mute. I am on mute. Maybe it's the words I was going to say weren't all that good. But with uh, the Ethereum merge and the shift to proof of stake coming up, what do you think is going to happen with Ethereum? It's a good question. To be honest, I don't know. Everybody now is speculating a lot about that. Will be two tokens, will be a fork, uh, what will happen, who will support both of them and stuff like that. To be honest, I don't know exactly. It will be a mess. For sure, in the beginning, it you think it'll be a, be a mess. mess? Okay, sure. that's what we do know. Yeah. So well, the price of Ethereum seems to be going up. You know, around seventeen, eighteen hundred bucks at the time of recording. Crypto goes up, crypto goes down. So you think this might just be a hype cycle? It seems like ah, it's going to come out, and there's going to be bugs because it seems to me like they're moving from proof of work to proof of stake. That very first time they launch, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be like they're launching a brand new version. So it seems like there'll probably be bugs in there. Yeah. Mostly sure. Like, uh, okay. Obviously, what they're doing with the proof of stake, they try to rebuild the practice from scratch. And this is actually what Vitalik was told several times that he understood that when he was building Ethereum in the beginning, uh, he had one idea in mind. And when the proof it works and a lot of loads came and stuff like that, he understood that what for what he was thinking, he wasn't expecting that big adoption. So now he needs to rebuild in a different way so that actually it will work. And this is what we're seeing now with the proof of stake. But still, uh, to be honest, I don't know how it will work when people will come, transactions will come and stuff like that. Plus, the second point will come is between the two networks, how they will be keep on living together and what will happen. Because the miners, obviously, they don't really like this idea. Let's see.
Yeah, well, their their cash cow is is you know drying up those ridiculous gas fees. That's just been making them a ton. And hey, we we want to keep charging too much for transactions, y'all. Just let's force as many people through that funnel as possible and watch those gas fees just go crazy. It's time for it to end. All righty. Well, Pavel, thanks for giving us uh, some basic knowledge about Polkadot today. We appreciate it. And of course, the links to the show notes to learn more about gear technologies. If you want to, if you're a developer and you want to roll out a smart contract super fast and easy, these guys say they can do it. Gear-tech.io. Thanks again for uh, joining us, man. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys, for inviting. It was a pleasure. And just as Sir Lord Travis predicted, Pavel didst spewest the knowledge all over the placest. You know, we didn't even make one Telly Savalas joke. It wasn't his last name, Savalas. Uh, Savalas, yeah. Yeah. Bald, not, bald is beautiful, not baby. Telly Savalas joke. But that was bald good. Is, he was smart. Smart dude. He is smart. And I learned. He was about, so smart. Uh, I saw you looking, uh, looking a little cross eyed over there. You're like, Murr. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't take much to get my Boomer brain. Nuka Wapa Wapa. What? <laughs> Seriously, though, if you want to, like, you know, have your kids impress their friends, just teach them the longest word in the English language. Because people, uh, they go to this. You go, what's the longest word? And they'll go, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And then you'd be like, that's not a word. And then if somebody thinks they're really smart, they're going to go, anti-disestablishmentarianism is the longest word eh, no it's not no it's not mm. it wants anti to be disestablishmentarianism is like you're against the anti-establishment anti-disestablishmentarianism it's being like so disestablishmentarianism it seems like you're against the establishment this anti-disestablishmentarianism sounds like you're against those who are against the establishment I'm against those who are against being against being against what they're against. I'm against people who are for things. Um, really? I, I like, I just, I remember like, I'm uh, against that. I'm against it. Uh, I don't know whatever it is you were going to say, but I'm against just, it. I'll tell you what you shouldn't be against. If I, I'm not sure how many are left right now, but if you have not yet acquired your limited edition, John McAfee classic clip, which is an NFT. There's seven different clips. There's only five of each. They are available from the uncut.fm collection, badcrypto.uncut.fm. We will be releasing more mm. collectible NFTs in the true. future. But this is uh, from episode number 100. It is the one and only time we interviewed Senior McAfee. And uh, you know, uncut, it's badcrypto.uncut.fm. FM is where you can acquire that and uh, they're it's in ETH they're they're not expensive and it's on Polygon so there's like almost zero gas it's it's on uncut like all uh, children's circumcisions should be not they should not do that wasn't that the last show or it should be uncut I'm still going to say it every time okay so is, the, is, is being anti-disestablishment circumcision Marini, the new I'm corn anti-disestablishment it's the new corn. All righty. Right. I want to say thank you for tuning into the show. This was indeed a show. And if you got this far, you indeed listened to the show. And I am proud of you. You Well, are I mean, you never know. They could have just skipped ahead to the end and not listened to any of it. 
Mm. We're we're really good. You know how you can you know how you can speed up um you know your podcast listening and stuff. Some people might speed us up to like a hundred x. So it's just like stay bad, right? And stuff. yeah, that could do that. Speaking but of they, speeding up, advice because then they miss out on all the goodies. Speaking of speeding up audio, I'm listening to um, to Phil Collins audiobook on okay. Audible right now. Uh, it's yeah. called Not Dead Yet, and okay. this is like it's such a cool lesson in becoming a master and an expert in your field. When he okay. was little, a young boy, under ten years old, he a family member ha- helped him put together something to bang on. It was like a tambourine and a little triangle, and it was like he didn't have a drum kit, couldn't afford a drum kit. Yeah, so yeah. Put together stuff, and he and he would he was set up in the family living room, and while they were watching TV, like whatever their version of the Tonight Show was in the UK, he was just tapping along with whatever the musical guest was. And if there was a comedian, he'd do a little drum hit, you know, on whatever he had. He figures that he put in 10,000 hours of beating on things by the time he was like 14, 15 years old. Nice. He was also in a Beatles Hard Day's Night, if I recall correctly. He was, he sat in the, uh, he was one of the audience members and you could zoom in and see Phil Collins there. And well, he, was he like, got cut. Hey, studio someday, I'm going to sing it. He actually got cut from it. So he got cut from a hard day's night. He was in the restored version because they wanted to put him in, you know, later. And he was a session musician on Harrison's first solo LP, All Things Must Pass. And he got cut from that. What? But then they ended up putting him back in like 30 years later. He's like, I'm finally in the liner notes, you know, for for Harrison's thing. But he's like, why do the Beatles hate me? I love them. You know, really though, like All Things Must Pass is such a great album because it's it has it's three albums in one and three albums both sides, right? So there's six sides to this thing. Right. And these are all songs that George wrote while he was with the Beatles, but the Beatles just never thought they were good enough. I think it is the very but actually, you know what's interesting? I learned this about that about the Beatles is that uh George has three number one hits post the Beatles. Paul has two. John has two. So George actually has more number one songs uh, post the Beatles than uh, George or Paul. Uh, and as long as we're on the Beatles, you know, on my Spotify. Oh, a couple Spotify things, actually, Travis. Uh, this one unrelated to us. But Ringo Starr has a new single out. I've got, you know, you can go up there and you can see people that you're following. I mean, what is he, 80? He's 82. He's 82. Look, look at the dude. I mean, he looks freaking fantastic. I'm sure he's coloring his hair and stuff, but he looks amazing. And he just released a new single called World Go Round. And I don't care if it's any good or not. Just the fact that the dude's 82 and putting out, uh, you know, new music still. Come on. Come on. So here's the here's the other piece of news. Um, There are many who are in our audience that are NFT fans and collectors of blockchain heroes. And in the last series that we did, Retro Rebellion, it was an 80s synthwave flavor. And there's 40 heroes and villains in the set. Each one of them has an original song composed specifically for that character. They're about 30, 32 seconds each in length. The synthwave electronica um, uh, that was directed by my son, Zach, and created by the, the musician that we hired to do it. That soundtrack was only available on the legendary variations 
of the hero and villain cards in the set. But now you can go to Spotify or iTunes. I think Amazon Music, maybe Pandora and iHeartRadio, and you can look for Blockchain Heroes, and you will see the complete soundtrack performed by the fictional hero band Oh Node are in there and uh, if you like you know techno synthwave 80s feel music go give it a listen uh you know it's free if you're on any of those platforms just look up blockchain heroes and and you'll find it and then go review it and thumbs up and I like tell you this, and I'll, I'll tell you this just just as an oh by the way um blockchain heroes retro rebellion to me those legendary and mythic nfts are maybe I mean, we're and we're part of it, so it's hard to kind of say this, but I think they're some of the coolest NFTs that have ever been created because they're their own little ant, they're a full on animated clip, and that took a long time to create each one, and they all have their own music track. Like, who do, who does that? Nobody does that. That's Nobody amazing. does that. Only musicians create their own music track, and that's usually to promote their music. We did it to accompany the artwork. Are you listening to it over there? Is that what you're, I hear you. That's NFT MVP. Oh, yeah. Well, can't really hear it here over your mic, but there you go, gang. Go check it out for yourselves. Blockchain Heroes on Spotify or all the other places. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Until then, stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. My name is Vesa, and I'm here to tell you that the crypto podcast business, it's a cruel and shallow money trench, long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free. Good men die like dogs. And there's also a negative side. So all that in mind, just gotta stay bad out there, folks. You know, just to survive. Look at that coin market cap, should I buy or sell? Is it a bear or a bull? I just can't tell. Fluctuating like crazy. In this world of Bitcoin Crypto going up, crypto going down Crypto going up, crypto going down Crypto going up, crypto going down Crypto going up, crypto all around